notice I'm wearing a robe. Hard not to, right? It's not a part of your tradition necessarily, but it is a part of my tradition. And it's often a part of Reformed and Presbyterian tradition. Ministers have through the years worn the robe. Uh, D. James Kennedy, a PCA pastor in Fort Lauderdale, uh, regularly wore a robe. Uh, the robe stands for the educational requirements in order to, um, to be a minister of the gospel. And the, uh, the stole is the ordination, represents the ordination for preaching. Now, yesterday was my mother's birthday. And today is Mother's Day. And my mother said to me at one time, she said, if I bought a robe, would you wear one? And my daughter thought that would be a good idea because she said she didn't think people took me as seriously if I didn't wear a robe. <laughs> so anyway, in honor of my mother who got me this robe, I, on every Mother's Day when I preach, have worn this robe since she gave it to me. So that's why I do it today. I usually don't. Sometimes I just have the stole with me. Sometimes I don't have anything. It depends on, I guess, what mood I'm in. But that's the reason for the robe today and remembrance of and honor of my mother. Um, let's turn to a couple of scriptures as we begin this morning on the concept of honor, honoring our mothers and we might also think of this also for Father's Day, honoring our fathers. thing I say here, we're saying for both mothers and fathers. And in Exodus, the 20th chapter, the 12th verse, we're just reading part of this one verse. Honor your mother, that your days may be long in the land that Jehovah, your God, is giving you. And then we turn over to the Gospel of John, the 19th chapter, picking up at verse 25. Standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her in to his own home. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word and errant and inspired, the rule for what we are to believe and how we are to live. As we consider your word this morning, we pray that it would speak to each of our hearts as the Holy Spirit would direct it that we might continue in our sanctification, and if we do not believe, to come to faith in all that you've told us here in the gospel of Jesus Christ. For we ask it in his name. Amen. In Romans, the 13th chapter, the 7th verse, it says, Give honor to whom honor is due. Uh, the verse is in the context of governmental authority, particularly Roman pagan governmental authority. And it says that we should give honor to those in the civil government, even those who are pagan and Roman. 
just because they're pagan doesn't necessarily mean that you shouldn't be obeying their traffic laws, are paying taxes, are showing honor to whom honors do because of their position. Honors be given to people, of course, because they are honorable, but honor is also given to someone who is not necessarily that honorable, but their position in life requires it. Those in the military know that well. It doesn't matter whether you like the officer over you or not. It doesn't matter whether you agree with his decisions or not. You might even think that he is incompetent. But when he comes in view and he passes you, you salute him nonetheless because of his position, because of his rank. It is easy to do that if you love that personal, personally. Um, a lot of General Pattons and other great generals um, have had a, a great dedication from the soldiers that love them. But it's hard as you got a commander that it's hard to love. But if you want proper respect from those below you, you need to give proper respect to those who are above you. And I believe, sadly, that this biblical concept of giving honor to those to whom honors do has been greatly lost in our society today. Too many believers follow the cultural and political influence of our day rather than biblical teaching. And I think that's been true in every generation, that we are more influenced by the peer pressure around us than we are to God's word and thinking about what Jesus thinks and not what others think. Many who name the name of Christ have unchristian attitudes and behaviors of disrespect, and I just cringe at those who name the name of Christ and what they say and how they behave, dishonoring not only those around them who should be honored, but ultimately dishonoring the Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel. Today is Mother's Day, and one of the ten big commandments for our moral living is that of honoring our mothers. I don't know, if you were to list the ten most important things in life, would you put down honoring your mother? God does. It's one of the ten giving honor to whom honor is due. This is a big thing. We cannot have a holy life without it. A godless person and a godless society are revealed by dishonoring disobedience to parents. And if you want to find the verse on that, it is in Romans, the first chapter, the 30th verse, where it lists all kinds of ungodly things, and that is one of them. So let us explore this theme of honor, especially honor this morning for our mothers. So that as mothers, we might live honorably so we make it easy for our children to honor us, but also that we might honor our mothers for who they are, God's gift to us in our lives, even though sometimes they may fall short because they're sinners just like we are. 
I want to take a look at three things. The example of a son honoring his mother. The uh, teachings in the scripture as to how we are to honor our mothers. And then finally, an example of a godly mother in the scriptures. In the Gospel of John, 19th chapter, the passage we read earlier, is an example of Jesus. Jesus is the pattern for our faith. Jesus is the pattern, pattern for our living. And in this passage, he's the pattern for honoring our mothers. Jesus is being put to death by the Roman and Jewish authorities because of political expediency. Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. He was receiving in his innocent self the punishment due for our sins as a sacrifice pleasing to God. Now what is Jesus suffering at this time? He's been on trial. He's been beaten. He's had to carry his cross. He's been mocked. And now he's been nailed to the cross. The crowd's been jeering him. Those crucified with him have been mocking him. At least for a time anyway, for one of them. He's finding it hard to breathe. He's struggling over submission to his heavenly father to see this through, though he could call for the armies of heaven to deliver him from this situation at any time. Now you'd think Jesus would be so absorbed with his own suffering and difficulties that he wouldn't have thought for anybody else with this time on the cross. But in the midst of all this, Jesus honors his mother in thought, word, and deed by providing for his widowed mother in his coming death. As her firstborn son, the firstborn son was responsible to care for the mother. He inherited half the inheritance of the family. And it was his responsibility to care for his mother. He sees his mother standing there in distress, faithfully supporting him, even through this difficult time as he's put to death. And he also sees standing there his most loved disciple. The name isn't given, but tradition tells us it's John, the writer of this gospel. And there's other hints to that in this gospel itself. And he points Mary to John and says, Mother, in a paraphrase, Mother, I am leaving. This now is your son. This is the one who's going to care for you. I am giving you to him for him to carry on my duty to you. And he looks at his disciple and he says, behold your mother. 
This is now your mother. You are to treat her as I would treat her, as a faithful firstborn son. I am trusting you to take care of her in the days you have left on this earth to care for my mother. And the text said from that hour, he took her into his home. And tradition tells us uh, uh, the places that John moved and that everywhere John was, Mary was there until her death. He fulfilled this duty of Jesus. Paul says in 1 Timothy 5.3 that the church should honor true widows. A true widow is a woman who has no family to take care of her. And any woman that does not have a family to take care of her falls on the church. That's where deaconesses came from. Women's ministry in the church to care for other women, especially the widows in a congregation. But he also says if the widow does have a family, that widow is not to be a burden to the church. The family is to fulfill their obligation and take care of that widow. And not to do so, he says in verse 16, is to deny the faith. And in verse 8, is to be worse than an unbeliever, not to care for the widows, for the mothers that have no children around us. And this is the point, that we are to follow the example of Jesus. And we are to follow the example of the Old and New Testaments. We must honor our mothers, especially in caring and providing for them in old age and at the loss of their husband. What a mother needs may not be the same as back in those days. In our modern era, care may look different. But honor and care for them we must if we are to be biblically-based, Christ-centered believers. One might help by helping her to stay in her home, cutting her lawn, doing the things that need to be done around the house, or maybe sometimes to move her into our house or to provide a place that cares for older people, giving regular visits. My dad's been in a nursing home now for four years and assisted living about a year before that. Except for COVID, I, visit him, I, I have visited him every week and sometimes more and made sure as I have power of attorney that he has no care about any of his needs. Honor is not to be given one day a year. Honor is something that we are to give regularly. And maybe our relationship is not the best, but work on it before she is no more. I remember a, a fellow I knew telling me that he was at the store one time, and he was observing this couple, an older couple, and the man evidently didn't want to be there shopping, 
You know, a lot of men don't like shopping. The women like shopping. The men go along, and they'll sit out in the mall someplace and, and take it easy while the woman... Well, he, this husband seemed to be irritated. And boldly, he went up to the man and, and uh, said, you know, it's been a, been a year since I've lost my wife. And I know sometimes things can be an irritation. But he said, I give my right arm to be able to go shopping with my wife today. And it's the same way with our mothers. There will be a day where they'll no more be around for us to show them care and honor. And I hope we do not weep at their grave out of guilt and sorrow for having neglected them, rather than stand there with tears of joy that they're with the Lord in heaven. Do not let the frustrations and irritations of life cause us not to enjoy one another, and especially our mothers now, for the day will come when we will not be able to. It's been 11 years now since my mother died. My dad is still alive, 11 years later. I missed her phone calls. She called all the time, regularly and miss her laughter. She just loved to laugh. She was a joy at every family gathering. She, she would find so many things and just start laughing and everybody would have to laugh along with her. Our mothers birthed us. Our mothers spent sleepless nights caring for us. They have taught us to pray they have nurtured us. They have loved us. What appreciation have we shown to them? I remember my high school years, I joined this organization, and I, I still remember vividly certain portions of our first meeting together when we were initiated into this. And the two things that I left with from this meeting was one thing, treat women well never hit a woman. This wasn't a church. <laughs> and the second thing was this thing about mothers. And when you leave here, do something for your mother. I thought all the way home, what am I going to do for my mother? And I decided, I'm going to start making my bed. And so from that time on, I made my own bed. It's, it's a small thing. But my mother came at, at, after the first time I did it, she said, you made your own bed. I said, yeah, she seemed to be so happy that I was growing up, that I was taking responsibility. And so I hope as we leave here that we'll do one thing at least for our mother, maybe something that we've neglected to be doing. The second thing I'd like to talk about is how we are to honor our mothers. And the book of Proverbs is, has a lot of verses on this, and we're not going to turn to them. It take a long time to go through it. It's not a Bible study, but I will state what Proverbs says, give you the verses. You might want to have paper and pen ready, or maybe later look up in a biblical concordance the word mother and what it says in Proverbs. But, but in Proverbs 1.8, it says, Do not forsake your mother's teaching. Our mothers often give us the first lessons about living 
My mother was the first one that taught me to pray. We prayed every night. And uh, we ended the day with that. If there is anyone who cares about us, if there's anyone that cares and wants our best, it will be our mothers. It won't necessarily be our friends, especially our friends in younger years, because after time, you never ever see those people again once you go off to college and go off to work. But our mother is always there for our best. She always used to say to me, especially in the later years, I'm so proud of you. She, they want our best. Her maturity, her experience, her faith, her advice, her direction are given for our advantage. It's amazing how when we grow up young, we think we know everything. We haven't been married. We haven't birthed children. We haven't held down a job. We haven't had much life experience, but we know more than mom does. It absolutely makes no sense. We've got an experienced woman in life. And she's looking out for our best. And so Proverbs says, do not forsake her teaching. It's like a fine or ornamentation to your life. It's like beautiful jewelry that you wear. That is the benefit we enjoy when we follow her teachings, especially if they're biblically based. And in the 10th chapter, the first verse of Proverbs, it says, Do not be a sorrow or burden your mother by being foolish, especially spiritually foolish. The fool is wise in his own eyes, doesn't listen to anybody else, and doesn't listen to God. To see a child destroy their life against good motherly advice is a sorrow. In Proverbs 15, 20, it says, Do not despise her. In 1926, it says, do not push her away. In 2020, it says, do not curse her. In 2322, it says, do not despise her in old age. And we have a tendency once people grow older, they're slow. It takes them forever. And they can't remember anything. Do not despise in old age. Do not rob from her. And there's so many people in our culture today that are so addicted to drugs and other things that they gladly have and would rob their mother's blind for their addictions. Do not mock her, 3017. It is shameful and receives a proper punishment from God which this verse says is the birds will come and pluck out your eyes if you mock your mother. There is, I don't necessarily think we're to take that literally. I don't remember the last time a bird plucked out somebody's eyes because they mocked them. But the principle is God will punish that. God will punish that. And maybe he'll take away your ability to see anything in life because you've been blind to this. The third thing I have for us as we consider this theme is an exemplary mother. Turn with me to Proverbs, the 31st chapter, verses 1 through 9. 
We think of the Bible as being the words of men and the words of male prophets and, and teachers, but there's an awful lot of women's teaching in the Scripture too, and here we see one of them. Proverbs 31.1, the words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. What are you doing, my son? What are you doing, son of my womb? What are you doing, son of my vows? Do not give your strength to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink, lest they forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to the one who is perishing and wine to those in bitter distress. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and the needy. Oh, that more rulers in the world would listen to their mothers. She says, first of all, don't, don't be a womanizer and don't be a drunkard. How many leaders would have solved themselves a lot of problems in our own society? Look at all the womanizing we've had going on in our culture and how many people have fallen because of it and still are and still have charges and Hollywood and politics and religion. You know, sometimes I wonder if people had a mother. Didn't you ever have a mother tell you what was wrong and right? My mother used to say one of her things was, if everybody else walks off the end of the pier, are you going to do so also? I don't know if your mother ever told you that, but that's what she would tell me. I think that was popular back in the 50s and 60s. Yeah. This teaching is 3,000 years old. Don't we ever learn? Does every generation have to start from scratch and not learn from the wisdom of the ages? And the wisdom of their mothers? Don't do it. Stay away from it. You're a king. You have responsibility before God. Don't destroy your rulership through these things. And then on the positive side, speak for the voiceless and the destitute. Those in power often look out for those in power. All those in power kind of scratch each other's back and, and uh, let those without any power go by the wayside without any consideration. And this wise mother, this king, says, don't do it. Consider the voiceless, the destitute, the powerless, the poor, and the needy. 3,000 years old. And have we ever learned from God's Word? Are we doing these things? Is this a part of our ministry as a church? 
I am sure if we keep in mind our mother's lessons as we get older, we will fare much better than if we didn't. Didn't she teach us to say yes, ma'am, or yes, sir? In other words, politeness is a virtue. Don't say bad words. Don't fight with your brother or sister. Share with others. May we not rebel against her wisdom, but remember her lessons and the verses she quoted to us. It is one way that God has provided for us and for our instruction. If you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, there's no way that you can live up to these standards because we do not have it within us as those with the sin nature to live the life that the Bible lays out for us. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. None is righteous, no, not one. And we need to apply to the Lord Jesus Christ, come to new birth, die with Him in death, and raise with Him in resurrection to new life, that we might begin to live in these ways and in these ways in which we can honor our mothers. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you that as we consider your word, that there is so much here for us to take the heart. Where the Holy Spirit's convicted us, we pray that we will respond to that conviction by making restitution, by making apologies, and by seeking to move in the direction that your word and spirit would lead us. And so as we leave here, we ask that we would be able to apply these truths in your grace, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Mercy Hill Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, please visit our website at www.mercyhillnj.org. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Church House located at 300 University Boulevard in Glassboro, off of Harvard Avenue, adjacent to the J. Harvey Rogers School and near Rowan University. We'd love for you to join us. Please see our website for directions. Thank you again for listening to the Mercy Hill Sermon Podcast.